You are listening to the Children's Book Marketing Podcast, the podcast that teaches self-published children's book authors how to use branding to connect with readers, leverage content to sell more books, and grow a business that goes beyond the book. Being a children's book author means you found a unique way to deliver messages with words and illustrations. But to thrive as an independent publisher, you'll need to master the art of attracting and engaging with readers so that you can sell more books. Join me to learn proven marketing strategies that can be implemented without hassle or complexity to take your publishing endeavors to new heights. I'm your host, Michaela Simone Ben, mompreneur marketing maven, fellow self-published children's book author and content creator. Are you ready to define success on your own terms? Then let's get to it. Hi, I'm Michaela, host of the Children's Book Marketing Podcast. Welcome to Season 1, Episode 5. I am over the moon with joy that this podcast has been going for a few weeks because the podcast has been something that's long been on my heart. It's taken various alternate shapes over the years too, because I first thought I wanted the podcast to be about one thing. Then I thought I wanted it to be about something totally different. And then finally I landed on creating a podcast to support a mission and a purpose. And it all just sort of came together. So it was a lot of hard work, even just getting this thing off the ground, but it has been entirely worth it. If you've been following along in this three-part series that I've decided to call Content Marketing Basics for Children's Book Authors, then you know you're in the second episode of the series. The first episode covered the who, which talked all about decision makers. This episode talks about the where, where exactly to start communicating with your ideal reader. And then the third installment will cover the what, meaning what delivery media are accessible for you to reach your ideal readers and what to say that authentically shares your personal brand and themes captured within your children's book. Here's where we are today. I'll give you three reasons why you should exclusively focus your attention on a limited number of social media platforms. And today I'll give you the secret to avoiding social media overwhelm because it's not your job to become an expert in every platform that ever existed. So let's get started. One of the biggest determining factors of where you'll deliver content for your ideal readers is how much time you'll have to invest in reaching them. Every minute you spend creating content is time that doesn't go toward writing a book, promoting any existing books that may already have been released, Netflixing on the couch with popcorn and cranberry juice, which would be for me, or doing yoga, again, me, or whatever it is you like to do in your downtime when you're not working and when you're not doing something that helps to further your author brand. I'm sure you've heard this stated before, perhaps more eloquently than I'm about to put it, but life is short and there's no time to waste being any place that won't position you to get to the next level. So this leads me to my first point. Number one, No one has time to be on every social media platform that exists. Now you may be tempted by the gurus who will happily scream it from the mountaintops. 
to believe that being on every social media platform is essential. Let's just cancel that kind of broad thinking right now and go straight to the facts, which plainly exhibit why having access to too many different platforms can be a huge waste of time. Time is the only commodity that we cannot get more of once it's gone. So why waste it? If it was necessary to learn the ins and outs of every platform that's trending, there would not be enough time to devote to each platform to truly add value in how you reach your audience. And certainly establishing and building relationships should be a priority for you as a children's book author. However, having to conform to the syntax, the graphics requirements, audience growth dynamics, along with adhering to all of the nuances of each platform, that could soon become a full-time job if you let it. So here's an example of what I mean about the nuances. If you wanna post a link in Facebook, you can do that with relative ease. Just create a post, drop your link, and you assign some call to action to tell a reader to go there and learn more. However, on Instagram, you cannot place links in the body of a post. You can only post a link in a section of your bio on the profile page that has your account photo. And in that section, there's a description of what you do and your follower counts and things of that nature. So you very well cannot post exactly the same way in both platforms without having to alter the text in your communication that has to, in some ways, tell someone what to do. So in Facebook, you could say, click the link here. In Instagram, you have to say, go to the link in the bio because you can't drop a link there. Whatever the appropriate action is that someone has to take, has to be directed toward the appropriate media. And it's not actually so complicated with Facebook and Instagram to make that kind of a change. After all, they are owned by the same company and they integrate pretty well with each other. But what if you had to do the very same thing for LinkedIn, where the file format size for graphics isn't adaptable the way that it is from posting Facebook and Instagram back and forth? Or Pinterest, where the file format, the use of copy and the use of hashtag is completely different from what any of the other three platforms that I've mentioned already even supports. It takes a lot of time to make those changes on your own without at least the help of a few tech tools, which I use because I manage Instagram accounts for my clients. But if you're not a social media manager, you've probably said out loud by now. Ain't nobody got time for that. Number two, it is entirely unnecessary to be on a social media platform that your reader isn't on. So how do you know which social media platform your ideal reader may even be active on? Well, it depends. I tell clients that work with my marketing agency that it's based more on the habits of the decision maker than the individual that the book is written for. In the previous episode, I go into detail about who the ultimate decision maker is. And in most cases, for us children's book authors, it's the parents of the child that your book was written for. But notice here, I don't just say parents in that episode because there are other book buyers as well. 
Those are educators and librarians and even sometimes corporations and, and organizations that are nonprofits. So again, if you haven't listened to that episode, definitely make sure you go back and check it out because not only is the episode going to give you more detail about who is involved in the decision-making process, but there's also a resource that I share that helps you identify with your ideal reader so that you know exactly who you're trying to create content for. The ideal social media platform for connecting with people that buy picture books, books for early readers, and chapter books is wherever parents, teachers, and influencers hang out the most. My agency studies the behaviors of people responsible for making household purchase decisions. And so here's what I can tell you. Primarily, you want to focus on wherever the parents are and where parents are influenced to make buying decisions about which children's books and which learning and enrichment tools enter the home. Beyond that, decide who your secondary decision makers are, whether that's librarians or nonprofits, and find a meaningful way to engage with them where they hang out in and away from social media. Look at this from a generational standpoint. By the generations, here's where your ultimate decision makers tend to hang out online. Generation Z, which are the people who were born between 1997 and 2012. Right now, they're age 8 to 23. They're on Snapchat. They're on TikTok. They're on YouTube. And they're on Instagram. Millennials, who are people born between 1981 and 1996, are currently aged 24 to 39. They're on Instagram, they're on TikTok, and they're also on YouTube. Then you've got Generation X. That's people who were born between 1965 and 1980. They're aged 40 to 55. And I happen to fall within that group right at the cutoff because I was born in 1980. And we're on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. And then you've got baby boomers, people born 1946 to 1964. They're aged 55, 56-ish till age 74. They're on Facebook and they're on YouTube. In case you were wondering, the little ones that you're writing books for belong to Generation Alpha. They have been studied and show as the most technologically immersed of all the generations. They will grow up to be the best educated of all the generations, and they will become the wealthiest generation. They'll also grow up to be the generation of Americans that are least likely to grow up with both of their parents living under the same roof. So that's anyone who's born from 2010 to 2024. Now, if you were paying attention, you heard me say that across each of the four generations that I shared, YouTube is the one common factor. So if there was one channel you had to be on where you could universally touch all four generations, that's where you would want to be. If you want to focus, however, on parents who are within those segments or grandparents, then you know which channels are best suited to reach them. Sidebar, knowing this about all of the generations that YouTube is the one thing that they all have in common, think about how that positions you. 
Are you comfortable using video? Are you confident in your ability to navigate a video hosting channel? If you're not, you might want to become familiar with it and put yourself into a position to start using video because that's where all four of the major purchase oriented generations are spending their time. So let's go into number three. The third reason that you'll want to exclusively focus your attention on a limited number of social media platforms is because you lack focus when your attention is divided across too many platforms. You ever do this thing where you hop onto social media and forget no sooner than your newsfeed updates why you even got on? You know you had something worth sharing, but when you start scrolling and notice that you've been on for 10 or 15 minutes, the realization of why you're online soon fades and suddenly you're shopping or you're browsing comments and trending posts and suddenly you walk away from the whole thing like, I forgot to post whatever I planned to post. Well, we've all done it. I've even done it. And it's one of the biggest traps and time wasters that exist today. The way to avoid it, however, just aimlessly wandering through your social media feed without a purpose or a clear picture of what to post is to have established in advance what you want to share and when you want to share it. This is what I'll cover in the next podcast episode. So make sure you're on my email list or at least subscribe to the podcast using your favorite streaming service, of course. That way you'll get notifications for when that episode goes live. Hey, I'm going to let you in on a little secret. I do not post all day, every day on Instagram and Pinterest without the help of a tool called Planoly. Planoly is what I use to schedule all of my content for release when it's supposed to go out. And instead of sitting around trying to figure out what the right next steps are to take, the analytics within Planoly tell me that. So there's no guesswork. It saves me a ton of time and it also makes it easier for me to manage helping other authors by posting content for them through my agency. If you're looking for a way to not have any guesswork with your social media posting, automate it using Planoly. Now, back to the episode. The intended purpose isn't a secret. And business owners like you are able to have the greatest impact when you concentrate on doing only a few things online. And I say business owners like you to mean People who are immersed in likely other activities in addition to writing. A lot of the authors who have written children's books are not full-time authors. They're part-time authors, full-time nine-to-fiver. Or they have more than one business and they don't have a tremendous amount of time to devote to just writing and promoting their children's books. So if you're focusing on a limited number of things that helps you to promote that book and reach the 
ideal reader who is going to gravitate toward that book, you're doing yourself a favor by not making it harder on yourself than it needs to be. So when you're on too many platforms, you easily lose perspective and start to believe that things like the number of followers and the number of likes that you get per post are the most important things. When the reality is the most important thing is how many people have you been able to connect with that are going to ultimately become a customer of yours, a reader of your book. And the best way to figure that out is if you're able to take people from being a connection on social media to being someone who you can add to your email subscriber list. So at the beginning of this episode, I said I was gonna share the secret to avoiding social media overwhelm. Doing so is a marathon, not a sprint. Bouncing from one social media account to the next without a content plan is just a bad idea because it inhibits your momentum. You may show up on one channel for a few weeks straight and then remember that there's another that you've given no time to. So you leave the one for the other and then you eventually get busy and the overwhelm of going back and forth falls further and further behind until finally you find yourself constantly recommitting to the platform in a restart mode. Well, don't do that. Social media rarely produces users that can boast about how successful they grew their accounts overnight anyway. So don't think anybody expects that from you. Instead, attempt to grow your social media accounts by being consistent in the release of content that's valuable and impacts your audience in a positive way. While there may be spikes here or there, depending on whether you have a popular post that gets a lot of traction or you share something that goes viral, those are usually blips on the radar screen compared to your normal daily activity on social media. And so it's your normal daily activity on social media that helps keep you from having to anticipate the flood of delayed posts that you were too busy to make for a few weeks and then suddenly you get some time and it's within reach for you. Now, I'm gonna share my approach. And my approach is that I use alternate platforms in different ways because social media platforms are not all created the same, nor do they have the same intentions for me and the audience targets that I want to connect to. And they also have different monetization factors as well. So my approach is this. I use Instagram to connect with children's book authors and influencers that align with my mission, which is to advocate for diversity in children's books. But I use Facebook for ads management and to network with groups that have potential collaborators. And of course, because Facebook is where I stay connected with friends and family, I go there to share with them what's going on with me and my personal life. And also in the businesses that I am involved in because I need their support and I appreciate what they offer in the form of encouragement. And I like to do the same for them. The other channel that I use is Pinterest. And I use Pinterest to cultivate a presence among readers more than anything. I'm kind of addicted to Pinterest and I have been for almost a decade, strangely enough. From the time it was available, I remember joining Pinterest. And the reason I'm on there is because that's one of the places where my ideal reader 
hangs out a lot. So my ideal reader for my book is someone who supports fatherhood and DIY home projects. And believe it or not, the dad community has a really strong presence on Pinterest. So if any of this sounds at all intriguing to you, just understanding how to use different social media channels, my team and I are available to help you define your strategic approach. This is what will help you use social media to connect with influencers, collaborators, readers whose families want to diversify their bookshelves, whoever it is you are compelled to communicate with. If you go to my website, www.brandstoryboulevard.com, that's where you can find out how to get started. So this wraps up the second episode in the series, Content Marketing Basics for Children's Book Authors. If you found this episode helpful and want to show support for the podcast, I'd like to invite you to become a patron of the Children's Book Marketing Podcast by selecting a membership level on Patreon. You can find the show at our home on Patreon, which is patreon.com slash Ben. And if you haven't already connected to me on Instagram for updates on what's coming on the podcast for the next few episodes, know that the third episode in this series will talk all about the what. And I am so excited to talk about that because I am a content creator and I love helping people figure out what to say to influence decisions that their ideal buyer, or in this case, reader, will be moved by. So thanks for tuning in. I will catch you in the next episode.